Every day you wake up, a battle begins. Your flesh is at war with your spirit. Winning feels like freedom. Losing feels like bondage. Even so, most of us find times when the flesh seems to have the advantage in the war between the flesh and the spirit. Dana Gresh takes us to Galatians 5 today to do two things. Help you take inventory to find out who is winning in your heart, the flesh or the spirit. And then discover the secret to giving your spirit the winning edge. This message was originally delivered for the students at Grace Prep, a new model in Christian education founded by Dana and her husband, Bob. Well, this morning I have a lot of conviction on my heart. And a lot of times when I come and I um, share with you, I spend a lot of time that morning praying for you. This morning I did not. I prayed for me. And that is because I felt some really hard but sweet conviction of God's Spirit. And I hope that maybe that rubs off on you a little bit today, because when we feel God's conviction, that means we're, we're on the brink of feeling God's freedom. And it means we're on the brink of feeling the fullness of God's Holy Spirit, His presence, because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit does a whole lot of things. He comforts us. He empowers us. He gives us spiritual gifts. But the first thing He does when He shows up is He convicts us of our sin. That's the first thing. And that's what he did this morning for me. Now, now when I tell you how he did that, you're going to probably laugh because this morning I spent about an hour studying sumo wrestling. And I got very caught up in this. I was very fascinated. I'm talking about, of course, those Japanese wrestlers. It's an ancient Japanese competitive sport. And we kind of think of them as fat and flabby, although I learned today that there is a whole lot of muscle under what looks like fat. And you know, they wear those little diaper things. Um, and we all kind of laugh at that. But well, I found out those are actually holy garments. Well, they think they're holy. It's part of their religious thought that they think those are holy garments. And of course, we laugh at them, right? And we have big fat suits that we buy that inflate that have the little tiny underwear on. Well, but honestly, listen, I had this thought today. Did they laugh at David the same way when the Holy Spirit fell on him and he danced in his holy garment, his ephod? And then I had the thought, do people laugh at me when they see me live out the power of the Holy Spirit? Because they should be. They should be looking at me and going, that's a little, that's, I don't know. <laughs> like, you go ahead and try to find where the Bible tells us we should fit in, we should blend. It doesn't exist. We're supposed to stick out. The book of Philippians tells us, like, stars on a dark night, a star that stands out, that sticks out in the darkness. That's what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to stand out. Okay, so now a few things that I learned about that sumo wrestlers that I think is fascinating. At least I think it's fascinating. First thing is this. They're a whole lot bigger than I realize. Usually we see them in pictures wrestling one another. And so we're like, wow, big guys, right? What if they were seen in a picture wrestling one of us? It might look a little bit more like this and we would understand just how big they are. These guys are massive. They would make Tyler look like a little itty bitty guy. Tyler would not win a wrestling match with one of these guys. They weigh in at about 300 pounds, and a lot of that is muscle. Why is it muscle? Because they have a very specific way that they feed their strength, okay? This is what the day in the life of a sumo wrestler looks like. They wake up at 5 a.m., 
They wake up in what they call a stable, which is basically just the building that they live in, and they stay in that group together. They don't train separately, they train together. At 5 a.m., they wake up and they train for five hours. They do not eat breakfast before they eat because part of their training involves smashing their bodies into one another, which apparently results in barfing if you have eaten before. So they do not eat before they start these five hours of rigorous training. That whole time, they are pushing their muscles, stretching their muscles. And then at 11 a.m., they eat. And they eat about twice as much as the average good-sized adult male. So they're eating about 4,000 plus calories a day. But here's what I thought was interesting. At 11 a.m., they eat something called chankanab. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm not Japanese, so I probably didn't do it justice. But this is what surprised me. I would have thought they were doing like um, Michael Phelps and eating like pancakes and bacon. And, you know, have you ever seen like what Michael Phelps eat? It's like he eats a whole grocery store's worth of breakfast every morning before he goes swimming, this Olympic swimmer. Not so. These guys eat chankanab. And it's broth. Okay, that's what I eat when I'm sick. Meatballs, all right, there's a little bit of something I could find pleasure in. Bok choy, no thank you. Cabbage and rice. So it's basically a vegetable soup, it's a stew. And I thought, okay, I know something about the calories in a good soup made of vegetables and broth. You have to eat a whole lot to get a whole lot of calories. So this is what their bowl of lunch slash breakfast looks like. It is massive. They have to eat a whole lot of breakfast. That is a ladle in that picture right there. You see that? That is a pot, and he is putting it in a little pot, but he is go that is his bowl. He is going to try to eat as much of that pot as he possibly can, hoping to get a big part of his 4,000 calories in that meal. And then you know what he's going to do after he does it? after he's worked out his muscles for five hours and after he pounds on about 2,000 to 3,000 calories, because this is where he wants most of his calories in his lunchtime, he's gonna sleep for five hours. Can you imagine why he might be sleeping? He is tired, that's true, he is tired, but he doesn't want to work off any of the calories. He wants all of those calories to be burned off by his muscles turning them into strength. He doesn't want them to go away. He wants them to stay, to stick. And then he wakes up about six, he has some fried fish, and then he goes to sleep and does it all over again. His life is consumed with two things, feasting and training. Feasting and training. Feasting and training. He, he wants to feed himself and feed his muscles so that he is strong. And that reminded me of a passage in scripture that I hadn't looked at in a really long time. I want you to open your Bibles to Galatians 5. I'm going to read verse 16 through 26. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I'm going to stop there and tell you this inside every single one of us are two sumo wrestlers, our flesh and our spirit, which one will win as it, as they wrestle day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute the one you are feeding, the one you are training, 
the one you are feeding and the one you are training, is it your flesh or is it your spirit? That's the one that's gonna win every single wrestling match. Verse 18, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open these words to each of us the way that you opened them to me today. And Lord, you probably are going to open these words to each of us differently because each of us have different areas that we want to work on in our lives. But we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Will you wrestle with us, Father, because you can out-wrestle our spirit and our flesh both. And sometimes, Father, both of them need corrected. Both of them need training. Both of them need you. Change us today, Holy Lord. I don't eat like a sumo wrestler, and I don't train like one. I don't sleep like one. I could never beat one. But in my spiritual life, I want to be like one. I want to be consumed with feeding my spirit. I want to be consumed with training my spirit. Why? So that I can win the wrestling matches that I have every single day, every single moment between my flesh and my spirit. And I want to ask you three questions here as we look at this text. First of all, what is my flesh and my spirit? We're going to start there because sometimes we need a refresher course. How many out there sometimes need a refresher course? I just need to be reminded about the basics. What is my flesh and my spirit? How do I know which one is winning? because that's a good thing to know. How do I know which one's winning? And then, where do I feed my spirit, okay? So what is my flesh and my spirit? In, in the New Testament, Paul, Paul writes about the flesh and the spirit a whole lot. And the, and the first place that we really see it is in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter eight, he begins to describe the contracts between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh in the, in the New Testament is all of our natural desires and the pull of this world, okay? You can start with something as basic as eating, or sleeping. Both things that we need, right? How many of you need to eat every day, right? How many of you need to sleep every day? How many of you sometimes do a little bit too much of both? Yeah, right there. Right off the bat, things our flesh, our body actually needs, we can take in excess. But then we can start to get into things that are really harmful for our flesh that we do have a natural desire for and that we misuse in a terrible way. So the flesh is those things that are natural and of this world. The spirit, Paul describes, are the things that are supernatural. Our pull towards the supernatural, our pull towards the spirit, our pull towards the power of a kingdom that we can't see with our eyes. Now, Paul goes on to explain that until the time that we know Jesus Christ, that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we surrender to Jesus Christ, until the very first time we confess, I am sinful, I am a sinner, and I believe that Christ died for my sin so that I don't have to be eternally separated. Paul says at that moment, we get a deposit of the Holy Spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit indwells within us. He lives in us. We are the tabernacle. Your bodies are the temple of the living spirit of God. Before that moment, the flesh is winning everything. And there are some people who win, the flesh wins, and it's real obvious. That person's full of the world, full of sin, full of the flesh. And there are other people that live relatively good lives, but they are, are still losing. The flesh is winning every day, and it's just a little more subtle. But that battle wages until the moment of salvation. Now, here's the thing. That deposit of the Holy Spirit does not mean that the wrestling match stops. And that's what Galatians tells us. It says, listen, okay, so you got a deposit, you got a taste, you got a little bit of the Holy Spirit, but now you have to work in cooperation. You have to feed the Spirit. Every day you have to train the Spirit. Every day you have to build your taste for the things of the Spirit. All right, let's talk about potato chips for just a second. Is it okay if we talk about potato chips? Does anyone like me have a problem with potato chips and they cannot be around because... You remember that old slogan for Lay's potato chips, no one can eat just one? They wrote that about me, okay? They can't be in my house, but here's the thing that I found. Potato chips have a lot of calories. There's not a lot of nutrition in them, and I can't stop myself. When I have them out of the house, I don't eat them, and then I stop wanting them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever gone through a, like a time when you're eating really, really healthy, and suddenly carrots taste delicious? You're like, What? I did not like carrots before. I did not know I had a taste for carrots before. All right? So now the Holy Spirit says, okay, from this point on, I, have, I am in you, and your spirit is going to wrestle with that old nature, that flesh. And you have to decide what you have a taste for. And if you have taste for the things of the spirit, the carrots, if you will, of our spiritual lives. You will eat them, you will want them, you will enjoy them. If you have a taste for potato chips because you're eating them all the time, you're developing your taste for salt, that is what you're gonna want. And that happens in our spiritual life. What we have a taste for is, is generally what we end up feeding, the flesh or the spirit. So that's what the flesh of the spirit is, all right? An interesting example of this I've just learned recently is in the, in the second chapter of Acts. It talks about the fact that the believers held all things in common. They shared. They met each other's needs. There wasn't a single need in the body of Christ. I have longed to see this my whole life, and I've seen tastes of it. I'm part of a church that we share our things really well. We have for a really long time. Jonathan founded our church, planted our church, and planted in the DNA of our church a desire to meet the needs of others. When we hear somebody say, oh, my car broke down, we, we buy a car. Just a, a few months ago, um, a family mold ruined their house. We thought maybe we could raise $10,000, $20,000. We raised like almost $30,000 to help this family because that's what we do. It's in our DNA. Now, I want to explain something that before the, the, the Holy, Jesus died and the Holy Spirit came, we were supposed to be doing that. Believers were supposed to be doing that. It's written in the book of Deuteronomy that we're supposed to share all our possessions, that nobody has stuff. It all belongs to God. We can hardly fathom that because we live in a culture that it's me, it's mine. This is mine, that's yours. Here's the boundary lines of what you own and what I own. We don't understand sharing. We don't understand it's God's. They were supposed to be doing it before, but they couldn't do it until Jesus died, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and then suddenly, they didn't even think about it, they just did it. 
Do you know how the Holy Spirit, it says in the, in the Bible, um, Jesus says in the Bible, not the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. Okay, it comes out in ways like that. The law said, share the stuff, it's all God's, but they couldn't do it. The temple was corrupt, and then the Holy Spirit came and suddenly they were like, huh, have my money, have my food, have my stuff, have my house. And the Holy Spirit shows up in ways that you can't do it without him. Whatever it is in your life, whatever it is that you need to overcome in your life. How do I know which one's winning in my life? Well, it's written right here. Paul tells us. It's real easy. Verses 19 to 23 tell us how this, the flesh controls us. I want you to take inventory today. I've kind of broken this down into three categories. The flesh is alive and well in you. Write these three things down in your journal. One, if you have uncontrolled, uncontrolled sexual urges. If you have uncontrolled sexual urges, it, it, it says here um, that the works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and then you go down further, it says orgies. Things like these, I warn you, I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to tell you something. When it says they will not inherit the kingdom of God, that doesn't mean somebody who struggled with pornography cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that somebody who's, who's had, um, uh, you know, multiple hookups without discretion, th that doesn't mean that somebody who's committed adultery can't inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that somebody that can't, their thought life is consumed by sex and sexuality and that they're doing all kinds of, that doesn't mean they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It means that if you don't, if you don't start winning the wrestling match, if you don't stop, let the spirit feed the spirit the things that will stop the flesh winning the wrestling match, that's when you can't inherit the kingdom of God. See, we're all sinners. We've all done those things. I'd like to find the person in here who hasn't had some type of sexual sin, sexual thought. I, I, I doubt that person exists in, in this room. It's just saying, listen, if you're not fighting it, if you're not feeding your spirit, and all you do is say, ah, it's my flesh. I, I just gotta, I, it's what I need. No, can't inherit the kingdom of God. So that's one category. The other category, I, I think probably is a little more relevant to everyone in here. Misdirected power. Okay, it says idolatry and sorcery, and I put those under the categories of misdirected power. All right, when you think of idolatry, when you think of sorcery in the Old Testament, these were ways that they controlled things, okay? The Egyptians, they had a God for everything, a God for fertility, a God for the blessing of the land, a God, a God for the livestock, a God to control the flies, a God to control the sun and the moon and the rain and the weather, and God called these idols, right? And what, was, what were they trying to do? They were trying to control their lives. Listen, you try to control your life through a lot of things. Work, studying too hard. You make that your God. You make that your idol. You make that what you worship with every moment of life. God tells us to rest. God tells us to Sabbath. Why? So that we can remember he made the world and it's going to go on spinning without us. And, and on, the same, on the other side of that coin, some of you rest so much that you're not diligent. You don't work in the way that God tells us to, to, to be diligent, to study. Um, uh, there's a whole, the mantra of self-care is alive and well in our world today. And, and we're making it all about, listen, I just don't have enough rest. I just don't have enough time alone. I just don't have enough massages and I just don't have enough peace and quiet. Listen, 
There are going to be times in your life when you don't get the option of self-care, when you're caring for an elderly father or mother who's been diagnosed with Alzheimer prematurely, and you're caring for a child that has brought, you're going to have times in your life where that's not an option. You're going to have times in your life when you, you're, you're in high school or you're in college and you're caring for a sick mother. There are going to be times when self-care is out the door, and if that is your idol, is that is what you put your value in, um, you, you're going to fall apart. It's one of the ways that work and idolatry, um, studying is idolatry, uh, self-care can be idolatry, anything that we rely on more than we rely on God. We just sang a song, there's nothing better than you. Do you believe it? Because the way we live really proves if we believe it, not saying it. The way we live proves that we believe it. And the third category I put here of knowing if the flesh is winning the sumo wrestling battles in our life is chronic relational problems. You see, enmity, that's hostile feelings towards someone or, or having hostile feelings towards lots of people. You meet people, you work with people, and just suddenly you just feel hostile a lot. Strife, that's bitter disagreement. Boy, have we seen a lot of that this year. Bitter disagreement over politics, bitter disagreement over, over um, health and mandates. It's okay to have opinions. It's not okay to have bitter disagreement. It's not okay to be consumed with your opinion being told to the whole world. That's strife. Jealousy. Envying someone's achievements and opportunities. Saying, I, I, I could be happy if I was the captain of the soccer team. I could be happy if I had that job. I could be happy if I had that role. I could be happy if I had her hair. I could be happy if I had his strength. Jealousy. Rivalry, that's a competitive spirit, constantly being like, but I think I'm as good as you. That's, that's, that shows up when we were just like, listen, do you know who I am? Do you know what my achievements are? Do you know what I've done in the past? The rivalry, the rivalry spirit, dissension. And that's disagreement that leads to disunity, division. God says someone with chronic relational problems that never go away and you're never at peace day after day. Listen, if every day you're fighting with someone different, if every day you're consumed with jealous thoughts about somebody else's position, God says that kind of person will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is your flesh winning. Again, let me return to the thought. That if you're struggling with jealousy, if you're struggling with rivalry, if you're struggling with division, if you're struggling with strife, that doesn't mean that you can't inherit the kingdom of God. It's God's wake-up call to say, listen, your flesh is winning. And if your flesh is winning, you do have to ask yourself, is the spirit in control of my life? It's just a wake-up call. And then we can see what the fruit is if the spirit's winning the wrestling match. We know this, these words. We know this verse. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Look around the room. Do you love the people you see? Find someone you don't like that much. Now, don't lock eyes with them or don't look at them a long time because then they're going to know. But do you love that person? God's word says that we love our enemies. And listen, you don't have any ability to love a single person in this room. God loved us first, and because his love is in us, then we can start to love other people. And that shows up best when we start to love the people that annoy us. Joy. Would you categorize yourself as a joyful person? When people walk in the room, do, you, do they get happy because you're there? Joy is not being happy because the world is okay. Joy is being happy in spite of the world not being okay. Do you bring that blessing to the world? Peace. 
Boy, that's the opposite of strife and jealousy and, and divisions, isn't it? Do you bring peace? Are you patient with people, with yourself? Are you kind or selfish? Are you good? That means you're helping people. Are you helpful? How much time today did you spend helping your neighbors? How much time did you leave in your day so that you could help your neighbors? Whoever that may be, the person sitting next to you in class, the person that lives next to you, are you faithful? Are you gentle? Are you self-controlled? If these things are in your life, I would say that the spirit sumo wrestler in you is being fed well and trained well, and that's proof of it right there. Now, what do you do if we just went through those and you're like, I don't know, I think I show up in the flesh a whole lot because that's what happened to me this morning. I was like, Lord, some of these things in this category of the sumo wrestler of my flesh winning, I, I, I see that in my life. And I don't like it. What do you do? I want to ask the question, where do I feed my spirit? First, there's two questions I want to ask you to answer this. The first one is this. If you're showing up in that flesh category a whole lot more, if you are controlled by sensual passions, sensual urges, sexual sin, if you are consumed with something other than God, your work, your study, a position, an opportunity, an influence. If you're just like, if I had that, I'd be happy. If you're directing your power towards something other than God, if you can't really say, there's nothing better than you, Lord. Or if you have chronic relational problems, if you have one of those three things or two of those three things or three of those three things, I want to ask you this. Are you really in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? We have to ask that question first because um, let's turn to Acts 2.38. Let's, let's turn to Acts 2.38. I want to read it. Oh, Lord, let these verses be as big in, in their hearts as they have been in mine today. Acts 2.38. Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's where it tells us in God's word that when we repent, when we are baptized, when we first surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. And if the sumo wrestler in your life that's winning every wrestling match is your flesh, you have to go back to this question and say, have I ever surrendered my life to Jesus? Did I ever receive the indwelling Holy Spirit to help me with this battle? And if you can't remember a time like that, and you're like, I really want to start winning, I want you to walk up to one of the staff members or, or teachers or maybe even one of the students in here who you see the fruit and the love the, of love, joy, peace, patience, you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and ask them, I'm not sure if I've ever surrendered my life. Maybe today's the day that you'll do that. But for a lot of us in here, the question is this. Are you continuing to be filled? Turn to Ephesians 5.8. No, don't turn to Ephesians 5.18. Oh, me and my numbers. I wish we were friends, but we're not. Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, he's addressing believers here. He's talking to believers who have clearly surrendered their life to Jesus. They've already repented of their sin. They've already been baptized. They've already received the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, be filled. So what is he saying? Well, if you look at the Greek language, it says that the act of being filled with the Spirit, feeding our spirit, is something that happens 
happened and is happening. It's a continual active verb. It's like breathing. You never stop breathing, do you? You never stop being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, 1 Thessalonians tells us we can, what? Quench the Holy Spirit. We can stop the filling. How do we stop the filling? By feeding the sumo wrestler of our flesh and letting the sumo wrestler of our flesh win every single match. That's how we quench the Holy Spirit. By allowing, listen, I'm reminding you, that can be something as quote unquote small as jealousy in your life. That can be as quote unquote small as strife, having an opinion that everybody has to know and they have to know that you're right. It can be that small. Those things can quench the Holy Spirit. So are you being filled? How do you get filled? Well, you feed your spirit. Just like those sumo wrestlers wake up at 5 a.m. and they train their bodies, just like they get that big bowl of bok choy out at 11 a.m. and they feed their, their bodies. Listen, the, the thing the Holy Spirit taught me this morning was, am I willing to train like a sumo wrestler? Because the battle I fight in this world for Jesus Christ is far more important than any competition they will ever face. We feed our spirits personally, by waking and reading the word and studying the word and, might I add, obeying the word. Don't be just a hearer of the word. Do it. Do the word. Do it. Whatever God's word tells if it's just one verse that day that you focus on and you lean on and you learn from, do it. Because if not, you're not feeding your spirit. You're resisting the spirit. Do you do that? When was the last time you woke up in the morning? You, 5 a.m. they wake up. Why? Because they want to win. I'm not saying you have to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm asking you this. When was the last time you chose to set time aside, not because I required you to be here today, not because your teachers required you to be here today, but you said, I want to feed my spirit. I want to train my spirit. When was the last time you did that because you had an appetite for it? And then the, the book of Hebrews tells us um, one of the ways we, we feed our spirit is in quiet, but one of the ways they feed is in community. Remember how I said those sumo wrestlers don't train alone, they train together. You've got to be in community. Listen, if you're a student who wants to be a leader, do this for me. Stand up if you're staff or faculty of the ministries that we serve, and stand up if you are a senior who believes that you, you love the Lord, you want to be a leader for Jesus, okay? Not just a senior, but a senior who loves the Lord and wants to be a leader for Jesus, okay? Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't forsake meeting together as some have the habit of doing. Okay? This pandemic has given us a new habit. It's called phoning it in. We don't, we don't think we need to meet together. It doesn't say, don't forsake hearing a message online, doesn't say that. And listen, I know all of us have different needs and sensitivities. We're wearing masks today out of an abundance of caution because it's smart to be wise. But if you have gone 18 months without going to church, being in community, you are quenching the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you had a Christian friend that you sat with at lunch and you didn't talk about stupid superficial things? Might I add strife-filled things? Because that's what our, comp our conversations seem to be full of right now. When was the last time you talked about what God was doing in your quiet time because he was feeding your spirit? When was the last time? Listen, leaders. You cannot fill the cups of other people out of an empty cup. Your cup has to be full of the spirit of the living God. You can have a seat. 
I long for something today. It's been many years since I think the Spirit of God has really burst forth in our little ministry community. He's shown up. He showed off. But there were days when, when, when we didn't watch the clock in chapel because God's spirit broke forth. There were days when then, that all through the day, it would be 2 o'clock, 2.30 2 in the afternoon, and we would still be on our face before God, pleading with him to give us more of him, to be fuller of him, to, to repenting of our sins, sharing our sins, and it wouldn't be enough. And so we'd rent a hotel room at night, and we'd gather there. That happened in this community, and it's been a long time. I long for, for seeing the Holy Spirit show up in ways that don't, they don't make sense. Like, we had this one student with severe autism, and when the Holy Spirit would come during those days when we would just ignore class and that we would ignore the schedule, like, the autism fell out of his brain, and he would come over to people, and he would lay hands on people, and he would pray with more authority than many of us have ever known in our lives. I saw it with my eyes. The students, one student didn't know the Lord. She had a tumor on her throat. They were going to remove her vocal cords. And the student said, we're going to fast and pray. The student said that. I didn't say that. Bob didn't say that. The teacher, the faculty, the staff didn't say that. They said, we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to heal her, supernaturally heal her. Because this 14-year-old with a beautiful voice who sings is going to spend the rest of her life without a voice if God doesn't heal her. And months later, from Johns Hopkins University, her mother called in shock and said, he did it. It's just like the Old Testament. It's just like the New Testament, where miracles happen, where healings happen, where God's Spirit does things that don't make any sense. They can't find the tumor. They can't find the scar tissue of the tumor that was there. It happened because the Holy Spirit was alive in this place. And you know why that happened is because enough of us were feeding our spirits and we were denying our flesh. And so we're gonna stay here today until some of us start to get convicted about how we're feeding our flesh. Jonathan's gonna come and we're gonna worship. We're gonna sing two or three songs. I'm gonna give you the opportunity that God gave me this morning. This is what I wrote. This is some of what I wrote. It's not everything I wrote. Your glory, Lord, is what my heart longs for. When you fill me, there's so much joy. But lately, I've chosen not to sit at the fountain of your living water. Instead, I feasted on that which causes me to be empty, discouraged, and distracted. Remove the distractions, Lord, until my heart is set on one thing, and all my heart longs for is you. Father, I confess to you that my heart has been feasting on Netflix and social media and screens. I confess to you that my heart has been going to not sinful things, but worthless things, things that do not build up my spirit, that feed and make my flesh fat and lazy. 
And Lord, I, I, I confess this to you with a deep sense of repentance because God, this world needs us. This world, these people in this room need me to be full of your spirit. There are discouraged hearts. There are addicted hearts. There are hearts, hopeless hearts that don't know how they'll ever overcome their sensual longings. There are hearts that are so lonely in this room, Father, and we can't fix that. Only your spirit can fix that. And until we get on our face before you and confess that we've been feeding our flesh and training our flesh, we won't find you. We won't be welcoming you. Holy Spirit, come. Put us on our faces. And Lord, if I'm the only one on my face today, I'm willing to be that. But God, I know you're stirring hearts right now. I know, I know the beauty of these hearts, and I know how easy it is to get caught up in worthless things and feed our flesh. Forgive us, Jesus. I want you to sing along with Jonathan, and, and I want you to think through this. And if you recognize a lot of the characteristics of your flesh being strong, I want you on your face while you sing. I want you on your face confessing to God. I want you on your face repenting of how you've been feeding your flesh, repenting of the specific things, the pornography, the sex, the Netflix binging, the social media binging, the texting, the nastiness, the, the strife, the divisions, the enmity. Oh, just get on your face. The idolatry to your schoolwork, the idolatry to your work, the idolatry to self-care, the idolatry to your own bank account. Get on your face. Get on your face because if enough of us do, maybe he'd show up and maybe we'd see the kind of church that we're all longing for, but we're, we're just not seeing. Get on your face. Start winning the war. Get into God's word. Feed your spirit. Train it. A good place to begin is with Dana's six-week study on the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Find out more at danagresh.com. This message was taped during Grace Prep High School's chapel and has been produced by Pure Freedom Ministries.